Hey everyone, welcome back to the channel. My name is Jordan, also known as the Scheming Skeleton, and this is my brother, Joshua Rex. Hi everybody. <laughs> so Thanks uh, for having me, Skelly. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So um, the reason I wanted to have Josh on is he has a new book coming out soon called Inamorta. And I want him to talk about that book after we talk about a few other things. Um, it looks absolutely incredible. Not only the artwork on the front, the artist is Nick. Um, why am I drawing the blank? Greenwood. That artwork was absolutely incredible. And I've been, uh, you know, tweeting and showing people in the discord, the, the, picture of the book and the description of the book. And a lot of people are really excited. A couple of people told me they were going to pre-order. So um, for people that don't know, when you pre-order uh, a book from an author, it's like a massive, massive thing. Like pre-ordering a book basically gives the, the printing house and the author an idea of how wanted this book is going to be. And they can print based on, you know, the pre-release or the pre-order, and it really helps authors out a lot. So um, if it's something you're interested in once we're done uh, you know, with this conversation, uh, please check out the links below. The Inamorta book, Josh, is, is uh, $40 for pre-order. And if, if I remember correctly, it comes numbered and signed by you, and then it has um, an original like music score in the back, correct? That's correct, yeah. It, it's a this one, the signed and numbered one is limited to, oh, I can't remember the exact copies. I want to say it's 150. Uh, oh, okay. So it's a very limited edition hardcover with, yeah, the custom end papers. Uh, the end papers, it, it's a music piece of music I had in my head. I've been sort of composing in my head for a while uh, with the story in mind. And I'm not a violist. The main character is a violist. Uh, I, I'm not any sort of string instrument player besides just sort of a hack guitarist. And uh, so anyway, uh, I, I didn't have any way to transpose this music. So I hummed it into a recording and I sent it to S.T. Joshi, uh, the, you know, the preeminent Lovecraft scholar who uh, did some editing on this book. And he was able to somehow from my humming, transpose it into That's music, awesome. which That's then so he cool. sent to me, not only the, uh, the music for it, but uh, uh, he ran it through like a processor. So it was like a, a viola synth, which came back to, it sounded amazing. And then I took that music and hand drew it as if it were uh, a manuscript oh, from that's the early awesome. 19th, 18th century and uh, and then sort of dyed it, stained it with tea. And, yeah, that's uh, really and then that cool. that became, yeah, well, what the end papers are. So it's this great collaboration in that way uh, that, that I really enjoyed. I'd never done anything like that before. So you, you spoke about music, you spoke about art, and we're obviously doing a conversation here about writing. Um, and you've recently been doing a podcast too. So you're like me, you do a little bit of everything. The, the thing is, all of that stuff inspired you to write. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started with, uh, you know, as far as I remember as a kid, you were always into sports and the Titanic, like a lot of history, mummies, King Tut and stuff. And then as you got older, it was, you know, Kurt Cobain and, you know, the grunge era, and then it turned to art and now it's writing, which we all go through those phases. But I think, your writing has been inspired by all those things. So being able to hum that piece of music, being able to draw that artwork that you draw, um, you know, to, to take the musical notes and draw it out like you did. Um, tell us a little bit about just your past and each one of those things and what led you to this point. I was always interested. I, I thought primarily since I was a kid that I, I wanted to write, but I've always been interested in visual arts and music. Uh, with music in particular, the kind of music I wanted to do, you really need to be classically trained from a young kid. And so it was never, never that. And in some ways, the same thing with art. I just kind of went at it my own way. Writing's sort of interesting, though. I mean, you can take creative writing classes, but 
writing, it's like you, you sort of seem to, if you have a talent for it, the, the talent's just kind of the beginning. You got to really just work and hone it and hone it. And I've heard these figures that you know, some people say it takes like, I don't know what it is, like 10,000 pages, like a million words or something before you finally can get to a place where you feel like you have your own voice. You can really put it together yeah. in a way that is <clears throat> yours and, and get control over the, the process. Uh, I found that to maybe be sort of true in my end. I mean, I started... I, I played music for years and, and uh, yeah, I, I painted for years too and thought I was maybe going to do both of those as my serious uh, sort of art pursuit. But I always wanted to write. I had tried to do it and I just couldn't do it. I'd written some poetry, which I was, you know, as a teenager, I was pretty happy with, you know, what's that though? Yeah. Uh, but as far as fiction and that, I hadn't really done anything. I, cu I couldn't put it together. I'd sit down, I'd try to write a story. Sometimes I would maybe get through it. Most of the time though, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't figure out the process. So, you know, over time I slowly developed it like through my twenties and, and for some reason, I think when I was 31, uh, I had this idea for the Inamorita and I'd had it since I was like 18. For some reason, I just saw this violist in this carriage going somewhere. It just had this image of this guy going somewhere. I had no, I, no other conception of what it was. And I had tried to write it then, but again, as I mentioned, I wasn't very good at putting it together. So I thought, you know what, I, I started to have some other ideas tying in for this character. So I thought, I'm just going to give this a go. So I ended up writing, the first draft was like a 350 page. It was a long, it was a novel, full on novel. And I hand wrote it. And from there, you know, I started to pare it down and it ended up being in the end, I mean, this is a novella. So it's, it's about 150 pages. I think it's about 50,000 words, maybe a little less. Uh, so it's we're sort of on that weird borderland where it's novella-ish as far as length, but it also could be considered like a short novel, uh, but sure. a novel is what it's being branded as. Um, but yeah, I think the process, like I said, I mean, I think you, if you have a talent for it, you just really got to work it and work it and work it. And it takes a long time. And yeah. I mean, it's taken, it's, it's weird. It's almost 11 years to the day when uh, this is going to be published. So you know, I've had some other things published in the meantime. I've published some things myself in the meantime, but it just, I really think it goes to show that this is just a long process. And I'm oh, yeah. answering your question in too much of a round, roundabout way. There. No, no. I mean, it's, that's a, I mean, that's a really good way to answer it because it gives everyone a little bit of background on each little thing and how those led you to develop what you're, what you're doing today. I mean, even with me, I started as a, you know, with a graphic design degree and why did I get into that? Because I used to draw and paint as a kid all the time. Now I don't draw as much anymore, but I, now I'm using those graphic design skills to edit video and do these thumbnails and all this stuff that I like to do a lot more than, you know, sometimes I'll sit down and sketch, but I don't, I don't have the love or the time to do that as much as I used to. Um, I like doing this a lot more. I like doing media, more, more, more immediate oriented stuff. So, yeah. And, and the, the great thing, like what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. I, re I, re I mean, I recall you always drawing when you were a kid. I mean, I wasn't, I drew like three things when I was a kid. I drew the Titanic all the time. I drew submarines. <laughs> yeah. I drew like this, this is what it was like Margot Tenenbaum, you know, it's yeah. like, or no, Ricky Tenenbaum drawing Margot Tenenbaum, like over and over. Yeah. This is um, my thing that I draw. It's like Ron yeah. Swanson too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think that uh, just what you said is is really interesting because you you do really in the end, you, I mean, you take all those experiences, no matter like what sort of art you're doing, they're going to inform what you're doing. And I think the technology aspect is really big too. Like even the music stuff that I had done in the past, I have a podcast now and recording music for all those years, it, it has enabled me to know how to edit these things really quickly and really clearly. So my example of that would be like when I 
do videos now and a lot of people like the videos that I do for cards and stuff where I have like a story, like where I'll read someone else's story that they created for that. And I'll add pictures to it and I'll add music to it. And that was one of my favorite things when I did video production in my graphic design classes was trying to like find the right score that fit the images on screen to make it feel like you were actually a part of that story or like give you some emotion in that story. I think that's one thing like not to brag that I do a really good job of in a lot of those videos. And that's why a lot of people really like watching that type of stuff. Um, and there's a friend of mine, uh, it goes by Dead Summer Art. And uh, we worked together on the scheming Legend of the Scheming Skeleton video. He was the one who did the voiceovers. And that's how all of the, the stuff he does. It's like, you know, he does the voiceovers. He tries to set the music to the pictures. Um, I think he does a better job than me personally. But like, that's the kind of storytelling I like. So mixing all of those art forms together, even like my Scheming Skeleton logo I have now, the, uh, the Playmat one, um, that was done by Damien. And uh, Damien, you know, worked with me on a picture that I actually drew for you. That was for the black skeleton story that you did that we ended up not using. Um, and then I took it and gave it to Damien and that inspired the scheming skeleton play mat. So like, it's funny how those things can, I drew that back in 2015. I had no idea I'd be doing a YouTube channel and I'd have someone making that picture of mine even better and using it on this channel. So it's super cool when stuff like that falls into place. But um you were mentioning other stuff that you've wrote. So uh, this is the first one. Was this one self-published by you, Josh? What's coming? It was. Yep. Yeah, that's okay, so, my first collection. Yeah. So this was Josh's first collection. And uh, this is one. What's funny is I, I always buy Josh's books, of course, to, to support him. But like this one, I haven't read yet. And then your second one, this was, uh, was this Weird House Press? Or no, this no, was that one's, that one's self-published as well. That's a novel. Oh. Okay, so that one's self-published. This is a mighty word. This is the other one. Is this one, like, obviously this is spooky stories and stuff. Is this one, uh, does this have some sort of supernatural or spooky theme to it or no? It does, yeah. That, okay, that one, cool. I kind of have a hard time classifying that one. I mean, essentially it's it's about a, a declining city where uh, the toxic runoff from an antidepressant factory uh, pollutes a cemetery and brings back the dead but oh, they're, they're sort of so like cool they're not they're not I, I like to call them like civilized zombies they're not uh well and you would see I, this I hate you would even that. like zombie in general it's like the civilized undead i guess you could say yeah so you would see this cover and you wouldn't even think that you'd think it's some like foo-foo like novel about <laughs> yeah. you know flowers and stuff so that's that's really cool um yeah that sounds interesting there's a there's a video game similar to that um can't think of what it's called off the top of my head but it's uh it's a similar idea where like the entire town is given drugs to basically keep them calm and keep them at bay. And when the people, uh, I think it's called We Happy Few. And it's like the police all have like these fake smiles. Everyone has these big like Twilight Zone-ish goofy smiles because they're all being drugged to be calm. And, you know, it reminds me of that. Um, but then your, your third one here is The Descent. And this is the one I've been telling everyone about. So I am on the end of the second uh, story right now. But the first story absolutely got me hooked, which uh, that one is the one that is called um, The Time Capsule. And basically, without ruining the whole story, it's, it's pretty obvious right in the beginning that this uh, person, everything they've ever wasted or thrown away in their life starts to kind of reappear around them and they don't know why. Um, and that's, I mean, right from the beginning, you're seeing all this stuff within the first, what, page? 
stuff is appearing you know old old coffee cups all this weird stuff And this guy's like i don't remember leaving this here i i thought i threw that away and he's a very like clean and neat person right so that would never happen he would never leave stuff just laying around yeah 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 he's he's rather fastidious and yeah when he, he wakes up hungover and there's a essentially what would be like you know a, a to-go coffee cup starbucks cup or something whatever sitting on his nightstand and you know what the hell is that doing there it's got sludge in the bottom it's obviously not from from today and then it, it just continues from there uh he goes in the bathroom there, there are hordes of plastic bottles and things it, uh this this um reviewer who's a a fantastic reviewer called the well-read beard uh he i think he summed it the best he just said it's it's basically like all your shit comes back for you <laughs> yeah I, that was the one and, that was the guy that i was i was reading this stuff on twitter and he was really funny yeah 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 uh yeah he, he's great uh great musician by the way too oh cool uh, but anyway um yeah I, I think that was the best way to sum it up and it, it it just becomes more and more intense as the story comes on it's uh i think that one kind of has like a little bit of a twilight zone feel and it's yeah being stalked by uh I like to call it like the ghosts of plastic past. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Like I, I thought what's funny is I read this and then we were at Goodwill like two days later and Angie was like, can you get me some plastic hangers? Cause they sell like a bulk thing of hangers there. It's like a dollar. And I was like, yeah, I'll get it. And as I was buying it, I was thinking like, think of all this stuff like this that we've bought or had over the years. Like all the stuff we had as kids, we don't have anymore. Maybe one or two little trinkets but everything we had as kids is gone. It's somewhere in a landfill. And yeah, if you think of how terrifying that would be for everything to slowly come back around you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. And it definitely reminds me of like uh, Outer Limits or Twilight Zone. A lot of what you write, funny enough, really reminds me of Neil Gaiman. Like, like Neil Gaiman's stuff is very much like, there's a reason that he's describing whatever he's describing this certain way. The story is about this. It's a, it's a guy named, young guy named Jonas Lane uh, that takes, takes place in 1799. And he's the world's greatest violist. Uh, so he's a viola player and he plays on this instrument called the Inamorta, which is this famous instrument that's been passed down through generations. And, and each successive generation, is, they've always had something tragic happen to them whoever has inherited this viola and it's gone through a long line of family violists uh and he's been traveling jonas has been traveling for about a decade with his father theodore from so, sort of mozart style from palace to palace castle to castle um and performing these you know these master shows where he's a, a essentially a celebrity in, a celebrity in, in his time and he gets this commission from uh, a count named uh, rufus canis and so they end up at the castle, uh, Jonas and his father, and things are really bizarre. Uh, the family's strange. There's a little town at the base of the mountain where the castle is, and the, the town is basically desolate. Something's going on there. Uh, Jonas keeps having these reoccurring dreams of, of a wolf, a massive wolf that's, that's coming after him. Uh, and so, you know, without giving too much away, I guess, uh, the, the idea is there's something happening with the Inamorta itself, uh, and there's some notion of how Jonas is able to be the sort of virtuoso he is, and it's tied in with the Inamorta. And so when I started to talk about all this with, with uh, Joe and, and Nick, I said, you know, uh, I'm thinking something about trying to encapsulate the power behind the Inamorta you know, making that tangible, but also having 
having some show of communication with how, you know, how this is affecting Jonas. Yeah. And the, the Inamorta itself is sort of skeletal in its appearance. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's made of you, it's black. Uh, it has sort of this skeleton kind of hand at, those, at the end of the scroll. So it's this, it's this sort of bizarre construction as it goes. And uh, you, of course, you is not something you usually make an instrument out of. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, I thought I, you know, I gave him a couple of ideas of what I was thinking and he sent back some preliminary stuff and uh, he sent back the illustrations as like a sketch of what the cover is now. And, it, you know, in the end, I mean, I said, yeah, I think that looks really good. And then he sends us the cover of finishing. I mean, we were just totally blown away. <laughs> I know it's, I mean, it's it, so it, funny it was, when you get that artwork, like I did from Damien at the end, I was, he wasn't even finished. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's yeah. just remarkable. You, you, you no idea what to expect. And, uh, and I mean, the, the cover was really, really important for, for this book, I think. And, uh, I mean, it's important for all books, but, uh, there was something really specific I wanted to communicate and, and Nick just captured it so well. One thing I want to talk about before we go, which are probably the last thing we talk about here is, uh, the little backstory blurb that you put on the page for the Inamorta. So I'll, like I said, I'll put a link to uh, all the other books and to the Inamorta pre-order page. But on that pre-order page, you put like a little backstory blurb about like how you found the, uh, the, this, this uh, story about the violin if I, or about the viola, if I remember correctly. Can you give me a little more, bit more information on that? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Joe and I, uh, Joe Maury and I had talked about doing some sort of special edition where the book was maybe going to be uh, smaller and seem more like a journal. It's written in a journal style. Cool. Uh, so he was talking about maybe doing something with a, like a kind of a reddish cover. And because this book is published uh, under Weird House's Ghost House imprint. So it's it's a Weird House book, but it's published specifically under Ghost House, which is a, 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 a you know, a subsidiary or a, just a, a voice, I guess, a branch of Weird House. Yeah. And, uh, and he was thinking about he wanted to have these kind of look like similar. Uh, in the end, though, we decided to just go with the hardcover as it is. But the this little warning that we put up, it was Joe's idea. He said, you know, what if we put something about how, like a warning to the reader, like how this all came to be and uh, what there, what there, there might be some consequences possibly of reading this sort of thing. That's, so I, love I, I kind of came idea. up with this little backstory about, um, yeah, going going down and finding it at some, the, 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 the viola case itself at some antique store in, it was uh, so cool like reading England. that that was so awesome yeah it was, it was fun to do and we talked about maybe putting it in the book too but in the end just decided to uh uh just have it on the website as sort of like a a, a little teaser part but yeah I'm, I'm glad you like that yeah that would have been cool if you guys could have fit it as like a forward in the book i really like it reminds me of like uh the lemony snicket books do that like in the beginning of lemony snicket it's like you know before you read this book i want you to know that this isn't going to have a happy ending. You know, if you're looking for a happy ending, you're not going to find it here. This is a story about, you know, misery and despair. And like, it's really cool how, how I like, I like that blurb on the, on the uh, website. So I'll put a little link to everything, obviously, and, and everyone can read that as well. But uh, leading back to, since I have a trading card game, you know, uh, uh, YouTube page, um, one thing that a lot of people love about trading cards, trading card games, I would say the main thing people usually like is the art, first of all. And tied with that, or clo a very close second, is the, the lore, the background story behind the card game. And if the card game has a really stupid story, people aren't going to want to play the card game. Um, 
Flesh and Blood, Genesis, Legion's Realms at War, uh, all have really fantastic stories that are written by people or wrote by people who have a background in writing things, specifically fantasy, or, you know, always wanted to do it like you're doing, always wanted to just try to write and been successful in doing that. Have you ever thought about um, taking any of your, uh, you know, skills as an author and using them if you had the opportunity to write like flavor text, they call it, or lore for a TCG? Like flavor text is, let me show you, I got some cards here with me. So flavor text would be like just a little story blurb on the bottom of the card that tells you something about uh, the story in the game. Um, so for instance, like this card here, which is Pulse of Candlehold, it says, deep in the heart of the forest of Aria, the Rosetta Bloom. You know, they're just little stories that, little snippets of a story on a card and you could write a bigger overarching story for a company or for a company's set of cards that they're coming out with. And then they'd use all that artwork in their in their storytelling within the cards. Is that something you even knew about? And if you didn't, is that something you would be interested in doing? Geez, I, I don't know. I, I am not familiar with, uh, with, with the card games at, at all. Uh, I, I'm always interested when you're telling me about about the, the, in, in particular the backstories like you're mentioning that there, yeah. there are these lores or that these these worlds that these are based on that's always fascinating and you know a lot of that is similar to what i'm doing i mean you're i mean you know sometimes sometimes you're just kind of thrown into a story there's always backstory but sometimes there's more backstory sometimes there's this entire backstory sort of the focus it just depends but uh i i don't know i mean i, I guess i would have to see the situation i generally I generally don't write things unless it's something that I really feel like I should be writing. And that's not to say that, it, I mean, for instance, like there are anthologies that are out that there are all these horror anthologies. You'll see these calls for short stories and like, here's, sure. the, it's, it's, here's the theme for it. Tons and tons of themed anthologies. And I generally don't like that because you know, you have a bunch of people like writing to be published in an anthology that doesn't exist unless all these people write these stories for it. It just seems like the opposite for me of why I do it. I mean, I do it because like an idea strikes me and it's really strong and I feel like I need to do it. Um, yeah. And not to say that I couldn't maybe respond to one of those anthologies and say, and say, well, this is a really good idea or this is a really good, interesting theme. And I do have a good idea for this, or maybe I had an idea that sort of like works for this. And I, you know, I would totally do something like that then. Uh, and I could see it being a similar situation with what you're talking about with these uh, card games, even though I, I just have no experience with them. Um, but, you know, as you talk about it, it makes me think about it would be sort of interesting to tell a story in maybe short story or even maybe, I don't know, novelette or novella yeah. form. I love that form better. You are writing like each card is a a page in the story or something like that so you yeah. ended up, you know it's like a deck of cards and you tell a story through that the inamorta is coming when josh uh it's you can it's on on sale pre-order right now you can get it at uh weirdhousepress.com okay and uh it is going to start shipping june 14th june 14th and once the pre-orders are done um when is the like regular version like this paperback going to go on sale? Do you know? Uh, I don't know about that yet. Okay. Uh, that's, that's all TVD. I, I know gotcha. that the, uh, the special edition hardcover is uh, what's, what's for sale and pre-order now. It's, it's going to be an awesome book. The, the cover alone is outstanding. I mean, people saw that and were interested just from seeing the cover. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's looks like it's going to be a great story. It sounds like it's going to be a great story. And uh, I'm really, really happy for you. I'm glad this is working out. And it's, it's really cool to have like three of these books right here that you did. And, uh, you know, know that my brother did those. That's super cool. So, but uh, you recently moved to Providence. So I wish you guys the best in Providence. I can't wait to come up and see you there. And uh, I definitely want to have you on again. I hope you had a good time. So. Oh, I had a great time. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, go and pre-order the Inamorta. And uh, if you have any other questions about the book or anything, you can, hit, you know, leave a comment here on YouTube, message me on Discord, get a hold of me on Twitter. Same thing with Josh. Do you have anything else you want to plug or talk about before we go? You can visit my site, joshuarex.com and uh, contact me through there. I'd be happy to, happy to chat. Awesome. I'll put some links below for your Twitter and all that stuff too. So uh, thank you everyone for watching. I appreciate it. Josh, take care and uh, we'll talk soon. Good luck with uh, the pre-orders. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed this.